0: Hello and welcome to the Seeking Health podcast with Josiah and Jessica Meyer. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I am discombobulated.
1: Ooh, you took out a big word. <laughs>
0: <laughs> should, I, should I get out the dictionary to explain what discombobulated means? Nah. And unlike normally, I don't really have a plan for this podcast. Well.
1: You were texting me today, Mm -hmm. and you're like, "I feel like a heretic."
0: Yes,
1: (laughs) and I was thinking, "You're not a heretic, but you're allowed to feel what you want." So I didn't say it. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me what's going on. Well, let's have a counseling session. (laughs) Counseling session. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, I guess, I mean, I'm deconstructing my beliefs, so that is part of everything. Um, and I'm, I'm just, so there's a lot of things that I've taught and I've been excited about and like, I'm trying to create a worldview or I have been like where everything fits. I guess I still am trying to create a worldview where everything fits. And well, been... you're a thinker. You're... I'm a thinker. Like I, it, it has to make sense, right? It's not a bad thing. No. Nope. And there's always been areas that have been just a little bit gray. Like it hasn't quite clicked but it's part of the package and you know I haven't really preached on it pushed it hard but like I know it's there and I always kind of thought that it would make more sense once I get there or like once I arrive or get more spiritually mature or read or another once book once you study that specifically yeah once you... it's like you can't study everything right and no. and it's kind of feeling like Enough of those areas are becoming problematic, and I'm seeing them in a different light, and it's just kind of, it's falling apart. Like the well, you,
1: have, you constructed this beautiful castle that you fit in. Yeah. And then with this deconstruction, it's asking a lot of hard questions mm-hmm. and about what you believe Yeah. about your life. And once you start to shift some of those blocks, it affects the rest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So it makes sense like earlier a few months ago I also had kind of a shift and I felt like I felt like my whole foundation of my life was falling down and mm. and it was but it like it physically felt like it like I was falling apart <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like so I think that's kind of what you're feeling. Yeah. And as you take out more blocks to consider them and to put them back in in a different way or something, it just shifts more and shifts more. And Mm -hmm. you put this one back sideways and or different shape. (laughs) It just like it just shifts. It shifts. And that's not bad. I mean, life is a journey and we we just keep exploring Mm -hmm. and seeking questions and asking questions. And and that pushes other things to be considered. Yeah. So which one is it that you're,
0: well, I think, which topic? <laughs> yeah. What's the topic? What are we talking about? I guess, I guess what I'm realizing is that I don't, I don't believe, or I'm not, like sometimes I say, I don't believe this anymore. And then i like, I'll, I'll leave it out there for a little bit, you know, and I'll be like, how does that feel? You know? Mm-hmm. Well, that's... And so that's kind of where I'm at. Like, and so, I'm pretty sure I don't believe this anymore. We'll see how this works, you know, as I as I let myself process it. But I don't think that I believe the gospel anymore as as in everybody out there is sinners, everybody out there is going to hell and you all deserve it and I deserve it. Um we we, we deserve are. it mm-hmm. because we're born in sin and you know, we're terrible sinners but that Jesus died for us and uh, paid for our sins. So therefore we can go to heaven if we accept him in our hearts. Yeah. That's what I'm just having a really hard time.
1: The gospel, the wordless book, the, the pamphlets, flyers that get distributed. It's like follow these steps and we've got one word marked off for the kingdom we have another sheep
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. and then the most important thing and i think like you said that when one thing shifts then everything shifts and like when you told me that you don't believe anymore um and i had seen it coming obviously like the first thing i said to you is i don't think that you're going to hell for that uh and you said that's fine. What you believe. <laughs> you can believe whatever you want. <laughs> um, but, but I felt that very seriously. And like I mentioned, those gray areas that never quite fit, like they didn't fit with my gut. It's just like at a certain point, it's like you do have a gut. You do have an intuition about what is right and wrong, what fits. And, and my gut has guided me in what I believe. Um, I read scriptures, but at the same time, God is love. And at the same time, certain things have to make sense. And, You know, it just from my gut, I was like, that doesn't fit. It wouldn't fit that you on this journey, now you can't believe anymore. But as I said in the previous podcast, or in the podcast Deconstructing Together, like your dad and Bill Gothard and some of these people that created this toxic system, they believe all the right things. But I feel like you're a lot closer to God on this journey. And so. I couldn't bring, like, I didn't feel like you lost your faith or moved away from God. But then, and I said, basically, well, I'll do the homework later, figure out my thoughts later. But, you know, I can't, I can't believe that, that somebody would go to hell because they don't believe a certain kind of random thing. Like, it doesn't change how you live in the world. It doesn't change how you it doesn't negatively affect anything about how you're doing things. In fact, it's it's making you a better person. So why would this random thing that you believe intellectually change how like change so dramatically everything about, you know, eternity? Like, it's just, it's very strange. And I've always believed this, that if you don't believe this one thing, if you don't know about this one thing, then you're going to go to hell forever. And it's just it's just very strange.
1: Well, it was really common in the 90s to... Like, this was pushed so hard in mm-hmm. our circles, so maybe evangelicalism. It was just pushed so hard to hand out tracts. Isn't that Ray Comfort? Mm-hmm. Like, he was very strong on the gospel. Like, you are a sinner. You're going to hell. You have to believe... Accept Christ in your life and then you'll be saved. And like, mm-hmm. not just him, but others too. Like, it was just so strong. It was kind of a big movement of the 90s, I yeah. think. Um, I did uh CEF, Child Evangelism Fellowship, um, for like two summers, but uh, like Good News Clubs and Backyard Bible Clubs and stuff. And like so strongly, that's what you present every single day. You uh-huh. present these steps. You present this gospel. You present... And you count how many kids have... Have, mm-hmm. like raise their hand and how many like same yeah. thing at camps i mean uh, i think you've done camps too and yeah. i've done some i've done like two two camps i think um and it's just it's it's all about that mm-hmm. everything centers around the gospel everything centers around the wordless book everything centers, yeah. centers around around that so it's like is that a movement from the 90s that were uh a result of
0: mm-hmm.
1: um Or was it there before? I don't know. But I know it definitely was very, very strong. Yeah. Uh, Well, not just the 90s afterwards, too, Mm -hmm. because, well, my homeschool curriculum, like ATI, really pushed that kind of thing, too. Um, Although that was probably created in the 90s anyway. (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah.
0: And... So, I texted you, I feel like i'm I'm a heretic like i've I've gone to the other side and then after I texted that, I thought about it, and I was like, actually, there's a whole bunch of Christians out there that have always resisted this kind of the four spiritual laws, this wordless book, sort of a presentation of the gospel for I a number think... of reasons hmm. um, and maybe I could talk quickly about kind of the history of how I see kind of this gospel becoming such a tightly packaged unit. Um, like, I mean, we can't get into the whole history, but the Catholic Church throughout much of of church history, it was very much a whole life. You know, it you're part of the church and it's part of your whole life, right? And then the Reformation happened 300 years ago, or 500 years ago now. Yeah, anyways, um, the early 1600s. And it was a very much a call towards your personal faith. And then a bunch of different things happened, skip over a few things. We get to the New World and North America, and people have this general idea that they're Christian, um, but they're living on the frontier, they don't have churches, Um, and things happen called the revivals when one charismatic preacher would come through, not just in North America, but it really had a lot of success in north america in the 1800s and 1900s one charismatic preacher would come through and start a revival and call everybody to repentance for this individualistic faith and this salvation experience everybody believed in god generally everybody had a general sense but you know they're mostly living their lives but then this charismatic person would come through and say hey you need to you know come to the altar and you need to ask for forgiveness and you need to and you know, likely there was a lot of alcoholism, there was a lot of womanizing, you know, this frontier towns, it was those sorts of problems, right? So that was, and then, you know, there wasn't a the church, so it was like, maybe there was more of that going on. So the message was a lot more like, you all are sinners, you know you're not living the way you should. Here's a charismatic person to tell you to accept Jesus into your heart, right? And, and then there were... um like, that, that kind of, the revival message kind of became very central to American Christianity. Like, I know I'm oversimplifying. If there's a real historian listening to this, I'm sorry. There's a lot of other things that happened. But I think that that is a big part of what happened was just these revival meetings, right? And then um, in the 1920s, stuff was still happening over in Europe, Um the North America was behind academically. Things were happening over in America. and when those things started to come across, evolution, seeing the Bible in different ways, um, the a lot of the Christians said, "This is too scary, and it's going to rock our faith." And so they pulled back from academia as these academics were coming over from Europe, studying in Germany, studying in, in England, in different places, they'd come back and they'd have all these crazy new ideas. And that's when there was this big fight between liberalism and fundamentalism. And then the fundamentalists pulled back and said, okay, we believe in, they came up with five fundamentals, um, inerrancy of scripture, uh, virgin birth of Jesus, Um, I forget the others, but kind of the basics of of what we, we grew up in. And they didn't want to hear new ideas. They didn't want to hear about evolution. They didn't want to hear about, you know, historical critical methods or other way of seeing the Bible. What they really liked was hearing this, come down the altar, get saved, you know, and then let's tell other people about how they need to come down the altar and get saved and let's... And then this fundamentalism turned into, into um, it toned down a little bit with evangelicalism. Uh, Billy Graham was kind of part of the driving force of that through the middle of the 20th century, and that brings us up to today. And we have this kind of very reductionistic, simplistic, black and white, or black, white, red, green, if you have the wordless book, <laughs> um, presentation of what the gospel is, But, like, when I was in seminary, they were telling me very actively, it's more complicated than that, and here's all the reasons. And at a certain point, I said, I can't handle it, like, this is too complicated. And I realized today that I did exactly what my theological ancestors did in the 1920s, is, it's too complicated, you're undermining the authority of scriptures, I'm just going back to what I know. Like, let's just have an old-time revival, you know? (laughs) and because that's kind of that was the last time I connected with God these seminary classes were like causing me to question really fundamental things and make me feel very uneasy in my faith out of your comfort zone out of my comfort (laughs) zone um but I guess I kind of just delayed it until now um but I guess like this faith like it makes so much sense when you roll into town and everybody, you know, there's a lot of drunkenness and immorality and you know, all that sort of stuff. You tell everybody to come to Jesus and repent. But it, it it, it, doesn't work. Like there's certain things, there's certain aspects in which this presentation of the gospel, this way of telling the story is really toxic. Like it's really hurtful. And I feel like it misses something. And I, I don't have my finger yet on what it's missing or how it's telling the story wrong. Right now, I just, I guess, I just see the problems with it. And I see there's got to be a way to tell a story in, in a way that's bigger than this. Because, like, well, for one thing we're seeing, like, I am opened up in a previous podcast about how I was raised in domestic abuse. And telling people that everybody is a sinner, you're such wicked sinners that you all deserve to go to hell, is a great way to encourage somebody that's already leaning towards abuse to really abuse their kids because you got to beat the devil out of them. You got yeah. to. And, and we've seen that in some of the literature, like that we read early on in our marriage, how to parent and stuff. Um, like to train up a child by yeah, the Perls. Michael and Debbie Pearl. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it was very explicit in there. Like i yeah,
1: like six months old. You beat this, the will out of the
0: child. Yeah. And he's like, well, you know, I know how to train my horse as well to pull the carriage. And it's the same techniques, you know, and it's like, no, it's not. You no. can't because you actually that's really insightful. Now that I think about it, because he literally talked about how training his horse and buggy to go through traffic. But you have to break the spirit of a horse. They yeah. actually talk about breaking Anyways, so, um, yeah, kids, um, It, this thing of hell is, um, I really, you know, and I was told this in seminary, like, there's really good reasons to see hell in a different way. And this is actually a very, it's been a debate for a very long time, uh, pretty much since the beginning of Christianity, about whether everybody gets saved at the end or whether what exactly hell means. Something that has always bothered me is that we take the very worst verses in the end of the Old Testament when Israel had gone, you know, the the story of the Old Testament is a story of things going downhill, downhill, downhill. And when it gets to the very worst place, we cherry pick a few of those verses out. Um, your 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 righteousness is like filthy rags and... Um, all of you have gone astray like sheep and we cherry pick those out and then we apply them to everybody in the world
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it has always seemed to me like well actually that's part of the story of Israel going downhill and it's not everybody in the world that's like the, there there were people that were you know it mentions you know um exorbitant interest rates and buying their countrymen as slaves and um claiming to worship god but actually they were involved in other things with immorality with other gods um literal immorality you know there were bad things happening but it's not everybody in the world that is this this verse in its original context was not that and it seems like when people create an idea of what hell is they cherry pick all the worst verses and then throw them all together and say that applies to everybody. But in the actual passages about hell, it doesn't apply to everybody. Hmm. It applies to, well, it might be describing very, very bad people or it might, you know, it could be that they're just using very imaginative language to talk about, you know, how God will judge the very worst people. In the end of revelation, it's the beast and his followers that, that are thrown into hell um but does that apply to everybody you know and also revelation is a very confusing book it's it's very unclear what the whole thing means and i you know and when jesus talks about hell there's no mention of faith it's all about about how people live their lives Hmm. Um, it's, you know, don't
1: hear that in church.
0: <laughs> you don't hear that in church. What you hear is Jesus talked about hell more than anybody else, which is true. He tells a story, for example, of a rich man and Lazarus, the beggar, and how the rich man had everything he wanted in life. But the beggar did not. And then they died. And the rich man went to a terrible place where he was thirsty all the time. And he was burning and the poor man went straight to Abraham's bosom, whatever that is. And there was no turning back and so it was a parable about look if you have lots of money give to those that need it it didn't say that you know the rich man had the gospel and he needed to go tell the poor man about the gospel or that somebody was going to the wrong place because they hadn't heard this little bit of information which is kind of the idea that we have you Mm -hmm. know that if you don't have this little bit of information well that's
1: actually like kind of what fuels the entire worldwide mission, like overseas yeah. mission work or missionary work. I mean, it's like everybody has to hear, everybody has to hear. Like, you don't want people to go to hell, so everybody has to hear. So, you have to share, you have to go, you mm-hmm. have to find the tribes that are not reached, you have to like reach the unreach. Yeah, to, I mean, that's all fueled by that concept of hell,
0: which is literally, um, like when I when we left for missions hell was literally the thing that was motivating me and i remember posting on facebook if i didn't believe in hell i would not be a missionary right now because it was so hard Mm. you know and it's not like it was a fun or a career move or it 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 was was not
1: any of those (laughs) things it didn't benefit our life or finances or Or mental health or or or
0: family or anything in any way (laughs) I just had this mental picture of a match lighting and just burning everything to the ground. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, you know, some people might really feel called or feel like, you know, there's... Like it's worth it. They have so much passion for something and it fits them so well that they want to be supported so that they can do it all the time. It was not that for us. It was 100%. Well, I
1: think a lot of mission, honestly, as ex-missionaries, I think a lot of missions is... Kind of bringing your own culture to someone
0: else. Well, that's that's another thing that bothers me is if Jesus really cared about. Hey, help people! You know, these are some principles for not being selfish and for sharing your wealth. Um, But how much do we show up in other countries? And we have a very individualistic culture and then we model that and we teach that and we tell them okay here's our culture we're kind of individualistic if you hang around with us you're probably gonna end up being selfish and individualistic too but that's okay what really matters is to understand our ideas hmm. and i'm like i'm not sure that some of these cultures are better off with western values no it just adds mess <laughs> and 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 that gets into another problem i'm you know everything connects with everything else but i feel like we this version of the gospel completely misses the component and i tried to raise this on facebook but it it didn't work it's it's a hard medium to really talk through some of these things but you know jesus said it would be harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of god than for a camel to go through the eye of the needle and i asked on facebook why do you think that is because in my experience, it's quite easy for rich people to enter into the kingdom of heaven, because all that you ask of them is to say a prayer, and then to live according to some basic social norms, such as you know, stay married, don't have sex outside marriage. That's pretty much all you need to do.
1: Give a lot to the church.
0: Give to the church, <laughs> like, it's see, and then and then in return you get a social club and you get acceptance and you. Well,
1: the more you give to the church, the more. You get into the leadership, right?
0: And and realistically speaking, you give to the church so that the church can serve you, right? Right. So right. that you can have great worship services and you can have a youth group That's for your true. kids. And like, it's. it doesn't seem hard to me. And it seems to me that Jesus was pushing people to something that was hard. And the more money you had, the harder it would be because... You have to use your resources to help those that are poor, those that are needy. And when I was trying to raise this on Facebook, it just people just defaulted so quick to it's, it's hard for the rich to get into heaven because they're clinging to their money so much that they don't see their need of God.
1: That's what I always heard.
0: That's, and it it is such a message that is so loudly proclaimed that I'm just like, I don't know how I can break through this in this post. I don't know how I can explain this, but I just feel like that's a significant point. I don't, I don't feel like we're preaching the same message that Jesus preached. Hmm. I really feel like he meant it when he said, it is really fucking hard. Jesus probably didn't say that. It is really hard for a rich person to follow me because my ask of rich people is quite a lot. Because you need to be able to say there are people that are hurting and that have less than me in my circle. Not just orphans overseas that I'm going to give money to a missionary and send it over there. and My work is done. My work is done. But who in my circle, who in my town, who in my community, where who are the widows and orphans yeah. nearby that I need to be conscious of? And it will cost me. And the more that I have, the more resources I have, the more it's going to cost me. Whereas I feel like this simplistic message of everybody's a sinner. Jesus saves us and then everything's good. Just completely takes people off the hook.
1: Yeah, that's true. Because then we teach that it's not by
0: works. It's by faith. So exactly. Just believe it. That's all you need to do. That's all you need to do. And I, f- I feel like it's a thought stopping message hmm. in two ways. And And thought stopping, there's. You know we've talked about that in previous podcasts about about um, cults and about mind control and stuff like that. But there's thought stopping techniques where, if you start going down a certain path, you have a really strong emotional thought. Boom, those thoughts stop. Right. But it's thought stopping to just bring hell into it because any time that you say, well, you know, domestic abuse is bad. Yeah, well, hell is worse. You know. Right. It's
1: always the one up.
0: Yeah. It one ups and- everything. And there can be nothing worse than hell, right? And you put up with
1: abuse in this world so that you don't get divorced, so you can go to heaven. Or well, <laughs> to heaven.
0: what if you getting divorced means somebody won't come to church? You'll you'll right. hurt the reputation of the church. Yeah, and then somebody will go to hell and you'll burn in hell the forever.
1: Nuclear, you'll break the nuclear family, which will be a bad representation of God. So, it,
0: like, it's yeah. just. it it just it thought it stops thoughts it's yeah hell is so extreme and so severe that it just we can't think of anything else because you got to get people saved you got to get people to know the message and i don't think that that's how jesus operated i think he was very much about reproaching people or confronting people about their behaviors their attitudes their hearts and not at all worried about a bad reputation He wanted to get people right with God, and it didn't matter whether, you know, people had a bad reputation or or something like that. The other thing that really bothers me and has bothered me for a long time is that, like there's a verse somewhere in the Bible that says, woe to the man who calls righteousness evil and who calls evil righteousness. Hmm. So you need to call bad things bad, you need to call good things good, or else woe to you, right? Like, obviously, you don't want to call bad things good and good things bad. But what this does is, anytime there's something bad, oh, he's, you know, he abused a girl, or oh, he, you know, um, embezzled a bunch of money in the ministry, or you know, something like that. It's like, well, you know, we're all sinners.
1: Yeah. Well, we saw that with Trump. Well, we're all sinners. Yeah. Excuses and say
0: over and over when it's convenient. Yeah. But then, anything that's good. Hey look there's a bunch of democrats doing a bunch of good things well you know there's sin in there somewhere <laughs> you know like it and and they don't know jesus so they're all going to hell anyways like it it warps our view we should be able to say there's a righteous person there's an unrighteous person the bible all through the bible from a to z talks about righteous and unrighteous people but as evangelicals, we're supposed to say everybody's wicked unless you come to Jesus and then you're 100% good.
1: If you claim the title of Christian, you can have whatever kind of, like, I don't know. feels like you can kind of act how you want as long you as you're a Christian. I mean, that's what I'm seeing with Trump and Trumpeters. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Trumpeters. Did you come up with that? No. Okay.
1: <laughs> Trumpers, Trumpeters. Yeah. It's like, well, at least he's a Christian or... Right, that's he's a like,
0: he's a baby Christian.
1: Right, according and it's like to it James excuses, it excuses his actions, which is so wrong. Because like, on the other hand, we preach character and fruits mm-hmm. of the spirit, but then we can excuse it in someone because well, at least they're Christians. At least they're not going to hell. Over
0: yeah. It. I don't know. Just... And something that's maybe a bit more of a a nerdy thing is it just seems like Gnosticism to me. Like we've talked about this before, that around the time of the early church, there were Greek thinking people that believed that spirit is good, matter is bad. And there was this this Greek religion that started up around the same time that Christianity did. And it did influence Christianity, which is called Gnosticism. And the Gnostics believed that there is a good spirit world out there. We're trapped in a bad world of flesh. And the way to get to that spirit world out there is to know this secret knowledge. And once you know this secret knowledge, you can do anything you want with your body. That doesn't matter. Your body is not important. Your body is just, you know, it's just your prison and it's a poopy, dark prison. But if you know this secret knowledge that we're going to tell you, then you can go to the spirit world. Hmm. And... You know, I've studied that in seminary, I've looked at it, I've understood how a lot of modern cults, such as Scientology, looks very much like Gnosticism. But I'm looking at this and I'm saying, This looks like Gnosticism because it doesn't affect your life necessarily. You can do pretty much a lot of bad things, or at least because you know, we are white, we are rich, we are privileged, you can just live your life and just not really make a difference make a difference and that is basically oppressing people yeah. like especially in this year there's so many ways that we need that we should be waking up to the fact that we have an enormous <laughs> inordinate amount of power <laughs> and prestige and and financial means that we need to start sharing it And Mm -hmm. we need to confront some of the sins of our ancestors and the sins that we are actively participating
1: in. Social justice has a place and it's important. Not just church justice, social justice.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, speaking of thought-stopping ideas, uh, this doesn't connect directly with this, but another thing that that people use to stop their thoughts is abortion. And we've talked about that in the past. Right. But it's like oh, social justice, yeah, but there's X number of babies getting killed, so you can't, you know. Yeah. It just stops if the If you're going to do
1: something, it needs to be that. Nothing else matters.
0: Nothing else. Nothing else can be as terrible. Even though there are, you know, um, well, we can talk about this. Making it illegal actually increase, or trying to crack down through policy actually creates more abortions yeah. whereas democratic pol- policies especially uh, contraceptives but also giving people health care and making it so they can afford their baby actually reduces abortions yeah. so our pro-life ideas actually they don't work they don't work they're, they literally work backwards yeah literally they're, and it plays out in the numbers
1: I mean I've talked about an article that maybe we'll podcast about sometime mm-hmm. but it's like it really changed my mind on abortion and suddenly I was like oh my goodness. Maybe i like, I'm pro-choice now mm-hmm. because pro-choice leads people to make the right... Like, it, they do the right things. that That group actually makes a difference because most people don't... Like, I would venture to say most people don't want an abortion mm-hmm. but have to get an abortion. And we devalue all that struggle by saying, like people are so evil and they just go and do abortions Mm -hmm. like no no like you need to put guidelines in place that will actually reduce the number of abortions not get so hung up on banning it making it legal and then people women get stuck in their lives get stuck with babies they can't or don't want to take care of or or abuse or Or babies they can't afford or like it, there's just so much there. Mm -hmm. Anyways, that's a thought stopping. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And it just seems like, um, the, well, another thing too, (laughs) another thing, it doesn't, doesn't connect directly to the gospel, but you know, there's so much in the Bible about persecution because the Bible was written to a persecuted people. And it makes sense when persecuted people read the Bible, which is why um, we have so many wonderful songs written during the slave time by slaves, because it makes sense. The story makes sense when you are persecuted people. But when you are running the world as the uh, rich elite whites who have the largest voting bloc in America... um, You're not being persecuted.
1: (laughs) That has just driven me nuts this year. Yeah. Especially when I like just, you know, get a look at American election this year Mm -hmm. and stuff. It's like, we're persecuted because they don't want to vote for Trump. We're persecuted. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I guess I keep picking on Trump, but other things too, it's like, oh, we're persecuted because we have to wear a mask. Yeah. Because we're in the freaking pandemic. You have to wear a mask. It's not persecution. It, It just, like, jumps so quickly at persecution. Yeah. When it's, like, that's a disgrace for you to claim that title when you're not truly being persecuted. Yeah. Like, you are actually, like, putting down the hurt of the true persecuted.
0: Yes. Because there are people who are really being persecuted. Oh, my word.
1: There's intense, horrible persecution out there. And... (laughs) wearing a mask is not mm-hmm. persecution mm-hmm.
0: or like just and yeah. not having your quote unquote rights is not the same thing as being persecuted no that not is not all. the same thing Americans are very strong I mean they, they do have a very strong emphasis within their legal system on having rights okay. that is the way their, their system is, is set up and that's, that's just the way it is I'm not commenting positively or negatively but the Bible doesn't actually emphasize rights. No. But in the rhetoric, those two get connected, that people feel like if they're not getting their rights, then they're being persecuted. But you're not necessarily. No. And claiming that something is your right, well, you need to actually prove that. And your rights become somebody else's responsibility. So you would yeah. to have a conversation with that person first. Before, anyways, yeah. that's another discussion. But I do feel like this gospel puts people, the people that are in the driver's seat, the people that have the money, instead of being like Nehemiah, Nehemiah came back to Israel after he had set things up. And he found that all the oppressors were oppressing again. People had, he had told people to let the slaves go. They had taken them back. They were taking interest. They were, the rich were getting richer. And he stood all the rich people in the line. He yelled at them. He pulled out their beards. He said, I can't believe you would do this. And he forced them to take a good look at themselves and to repent and to change and i feel like this message is just like nope not listening to that not listening to scriptures not listening to that no we got to get people out of hell no we got to fight abortion no we got to fight for our rights and i don't think that's the message yeah i don't think that's the message so
1: that's what the gospel is like when you talk about the gospel that's what you talk that's I'm still. I'm just trying to wrap my mind around yeah. it all too, because like I know, I've walked away from all, a lot of it. I have not taken a lot of time to think through all the de- details of the theology and stuff, because at this point, I just needed to learn to live, learn mm-hmm. and want to live. Um, but when you talk about the gospel, that's basically what you mean is those points.
0: Yeah.
1: So that's kind of interesting.
0: Yeah.
1: Because it always been taught that the gospel is the core of christianity the gospel is the basis of everything Mm -hmm. and is what is most important and but maybe it's man-made that's kind of shocking
0: yeah or maybe a lot of
1: hours and time and months and weeks propagating
0: propagating propagating the gospel Mm -hmm. years so i I don't have answers. I just have a lot of questions
1: and it's good to ask questions, yeah, and also forgive our past selves because we yeah. did the best we could with what we knew mm-hmm. um
0: and also what we were taught
1: to believe so
0: and it yeah, I mean, when you believe everybody's going to hell, like you gotta get out there
1: and, and
0: really in my in groups that I join, like we're in deconstruction
1: type of groups um that is like the number one issue that has caused people to leave or cause intense anxiety Uh or fear so much is the whole issue of hell Uh and some people it takes them years to get over that to be able to live Uh like how is our is god a god of fear is god a god that wants to instill this huge fear because that's what this is doing this teaching so i don't know it's kind of interesting like like people are like why would i want to run to god who's threatening me with the with hell yeah i'm like why would i want to run to someone who's threatening me with burning forever in a pit of burning pit yeah like that's kind of it sounds harsh to say it like that but it is what it is yeah so like you got to think about it that way like Mm -hmm. why would like so i have to run to you to be saved from what you're threatening me with Mm -hmm. like it doesn't make any sense
0: and a, a little comment that's a huge discussion is it makes perfect sense if you come from an abusive family huh there it is and that's why we mentioned like this frontier, you know, a bunch of, you know, maybe alcoholics and, you know, rough crowd and then this message makes sense. And I do feel like the first generation like coming out of gangs, coming out of oh, okay, well we were kind of rough and we had, you know, drinking and stuff and it makes sense if you're coming from some version you're of trying that.
1: to it's like the Netflix show like scaring them straight
0: yeah like the show where they take
1: teens into jails to give to like to try and scare them into changing their lives Mm. and and (laughs) like making better choices but it's like why would you do that to each other i don't know Mm -hmm. Hmm.
0: so i'm not i i guess i have a few it leads me to a few options like maybe jesus was trying to push humanity towards a more compassionate way a non-judgmental way. And maybe some of the liberal scholars were right that he was a good teacher, but not claiming to, you know, not trying to create the religion that he was critiquing the Pharisees of. That's one possibility. Now, at the same time, Jesus did claim he was God. He did seem like he was trying to start a religion. So I'm not really sure about that option, but I do wonder about it. The other option is... Universalism. maybe there is some way in which this is all leading towards something and God is, is bringing all things to completion. Um, there are certainly a lot of verses that mention things like that. And another very strong possibility, and I'm kind of leaning towards this, is that maybe it's just that we have so much forgotten the social component of our gospel that it's almost like we have a false gospel because it seems like the early church from my reading of it and from my reading of the new testament early christians couldn't under couldn't even imagine a christianity that didn't involve helping the poor and helping the widow it was it was what they did it was who they were it was their identity they didn't define themselves by whether or not they hated gays they defined themselves based on if you're a christian you're going to be with us being participating in helping these widows that don't have any food. That's what they did. And somehow we've gotten to this place where it just feels like a Gnostic, idea-based thing. And maybe it's just that we need to reconnect it with with that. We've talked
1: before about how it seems that evangelicalism right now, like it's all connected to the head. Yeah. It's all intellectual. Mm -hmm. And it's forgotten the heart. Mm Mm-hmm. It's forgotten that crucial, important aspect to care. Yeah. Uh, So, like, when you talk about those options, I mean, I lean to the first one where, Mm. like, because it's compassion, it's caring, it's... That's what I want in life. And I know part of that is coming from my background of religious abuse. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I don't want harshness and anger and... Rules and like I just want compassion. I mm. want to love. I want to accept others, however they are. I want to be accepted, however I am. I and isn't that um, what Jesus did? I would hope so.
0: I mean, like just in the pages of scripture, there
1: I mean, the most studied passage with my homeschooling was the Sermon on the Mount, mm-hmm. and really it was good living principles mm-hmm. right like it wasn't all harsh and hell and yeah we will reject you and we won't accept you and we won't discuss with you even though you're blood related because you don't follow our
0: rules or yeah
1: you know like it
0: yeah mm-hmm. and so i i recent i think the last paper i wrote for seminary was on um the fate of the the fate of the uninformed. What, what do you do with people that have never heard? And this is something that I thought would be a straightforward question. Actually, there's a lot of debate and people don't really know. Like even really conservative people because the Bible doesn't talk about it. Um, and so even the most conservative people will say, Well, if they didn't know, like if nobody told them about Jesus, it's a gray area and maybe they get saved anyways. So you really shouldn't even try to tell them. <laughs> I mean, that's, they won't come down and say it because then it's like, well, then don't tell them (laughs) like, that's the logical thing. But, you know, it does kind of, it, it pushes you to think, well, if they, if it, if that's great, then what about the person that just didn't have a good message and they're just like, I'm just going to do the best that I can. Like Cornelius, you know, Cornelius gave donations to the church and he was known for charity and you know, like, and and when God sent an angel to him, he didn't say, or to to Peter to go tell him, he didn't say you're a terrible wicked sinner and you need to repent. He said, your good deeds have been noticed by God. You're a good person. You know. Um, and where am I going with this? To me, I feel like I can't go back to thinking that unless you say the prayer, you're going to hell. I don't think that that's correct i think that there are plenty of scriptures that would indicate that people that god has his own way of doing things and even if i am going to stick with a conservative idea of heaven and hell it's got to be different than, than what i've been taught i don't have it all worked out
1: that's okay yeah you don't have to that's why this is a deconstructing podcast
0: or yeah. wait it's the seeking house seeking house
1: but this it fits in yeah yeah And right now we're deconstructing. So that's what this is. So So hopefully this gives some of you some food for thought too. uh As it did me. Thanks for joining us. (laughs) (laughs) Have a good night, everyone.